Thank you, Tony. As Tony says, we're looking at different pilgrimages within the Bible, and I'd like to turn with you to Exodus chapter 13 and read a number of verses from chapter 13, verses 17 to 22. It's the people of Israel leaving Egypt and the commencement of what we know as the Exodus. And it came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although he knew that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey to Succoth and camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day, a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The difficult road. I was driving down this morning. I was in a three-lane road. I was in the outside lane because I was going to turn right. And as I was driving along, a woman who was on the edge of the footpath saw a gap in the traffic and does what everybody does in Northern Ireland. I don't know if you've noticed it. She ran out over the first two lanes and walked the last one. Have you ever noticed that about pedestrians? They run at the start, and at the very end, they walk. And of course, I'm in the third lane, and she's walking in front of me. And that got us thinking, or got me thinking about that. That's so much like us on our, on our Christian walk. We start off in a race. We're so enthusiastic. We're so fast. And then when trouble is near, we're walking. And what we're looking at this morning in the 10 or 15 minutes that we have are the people of Israel leaving Egypt on what is known as the Exodus. Now, the Exodus is an amazing event. And it is very, very difficult for us to begin to even talk about the totality of the Exodus at this time. Sometimes, whenever we as Christians talk about the cross, we talk about the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we talk about the events leading up to the cross. We have the events of Good Friday. We talk about the resurrection. We talk about the events after the resurrection. And the central theme is the cross. And we talk about living in the cross. The people of Israel, in exactly the same way, approach the Exodus like that. They talk about the Exodus as the events leading up to the Exodus, the Exodus itself, and the events afterwards. And if you were to take the Exodus out of the Bible, have you ever thought of how much we would lose, how much would be gone? Right throughout the Old Testament, right into the prophets, 
right into the New Testament. And even when you come into the book of Revelation, you still have echoes of the Exodus and that event. Now, obviously, we can't cover all of that event. And what I want to focus on this morning are just four very simple points as we talk about a journey which is difficult. The first one is the promise. The promise. I don't know if you ever enjoy art, but when I would go into an art gallery, I would look at the picture, and I would look and admire all the things in the picture there. One of the best ones was I went over to the National Art Gallery in London, and underneath it there were little questions for children, and that was perfect for me. It was, count how many cows are in the picture. And when I started counting the cows in the picture, I found myself deeper and deeper and deeper into the picture. But I looked at the picture in its totality, and then at the end I looked to say, who painted this? But when it comes to the Exodus, it's the exact opposite. Because what we have in the Exodus, in chapter 3, is God saying, I am the artist. I am the one who actually is going to paint this picture. And so therefore, we have God promising right away at the start in the story of the burning bush, whenever God spoke to Moses, he says, I promise you to bring the people out of Egypt and back into the promised land. And so the promise is that God says he will do it. Now, it's very difficult when you're on a difficult road to see what the promise is at the end, to see where we're going to go. What is going to happen to me if I can't get on the course I want to engage in? What's going to happen to me if I'm unemployed? What's going to happen to me if I'm living here alone and I become ill and nobody can visit me? What's going to happen to me and my parents and the old people's home? All of those issues, they're all clouding our vision. And, and we have a hard job seeing the promise. And the promise is there that God has a plan for each of us, each and every one of our lives. So we have the promise. And then we have the purpose. God took the people the long way round the long way round. In the passage which we have just read, he said he took them away from the direct route and he took them right away in around the land, way south of the Philistines, because the people wouldn't have been able to cope with the pressure that was there in front of them. They wouldn't have been able to cope with what was being thrown at them. They couldn't cope with the war, and so therefore they had to avoid the land of the Philistines. They had to avoid the main trade routes that the Egyptians would have had garrisons right the whole length of. They avoided all of that, and God deliberately took them the long way round. And, and it's very, very difficult for us to understand that sometimes God is actually taking us the long way round. We live in a, a time of instant. You know, you want everything done immediately. If you don't get something immediate, then it, it's too late. And that has actually carried itself through into the Christian church in which you can go online and get instant blessings. As long as you pay, the, pay somebody $50, you'll get an instant blessing. It doesn't work like that. God took the people around the long way. And the purpose of taking the people the long way around was to construct within the people of Israel a nation. 
If you look prior to the Exodus, Abraham, Joseph, and then the Exodus, uh, and then the moving to Egypt, the people were slaves for nearly 400 years. Now, 400 years takes you back beyond the Battle of the Boyne in our history. It takes you right away back to 1600. And 400 years from the future takes you right up into the year 2400. It's a long, long period of time. And they have been there and they have been fragmented. And God took that opportunity to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt and bringing them out of Egypt he not only worked the miracles that he did, he dealt with their disobedience, he dealt with the issues, but he formed them into a nation which he had promised to Abraham so many years ago. As someone said, it took one night to bring the people of Israel out of Israel, out of Egypt, and it took 40 years to take Egypt out of the people of Israel. It took one night to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt and 40 years to bring Egypt out of the people of Israel. And during that period, we have so many of the accounts. What would have happened if God had taken the direct route? If he had just moved up, what about Mount Sinai? What about the, the Red Sea? What about manna? And I could go on. They're all there as evidence of God working. And sometimes God takes you on the long route because he says, I have a purpose in this. And as well as that, then we read about his presence. He's not going alone. It's interesting when you look back into history, and you look back into the period of Alexander, and I know Alexander is significantly, probably as much as six, seven hundred years after the Exodus. But Alexander, whenever he marched with his troops, marched with his troops with smoke in front of it and fire at night. And it was a way in which those ancient armies kept together as they looked forward, they could see a smoke in the foreground and they could see fire that they followed at night. And it was almost like an army marching. And whenever you leave, see the people of Israel leaving Israel, or leaving Egypt, they, they leave in garrisons, they leave in groups. It's actually a military term, and it's almost like they're following a military leader. But it's not just somebody holding up a torch or whatever. This is Almighty God in His Shekinah glory in a pillar of cloud during the day and as fire at night, leading the people on the long route. And you say, what about me? I don't have a pillar of cloud. I don't have a fire at night. Where am I? The Lord Jesus Christ said that the Holy Spirit would be with us, not only with us, indwelling us, leading us, and guiding us into all truth. So God has a promise. God has a purpose. God has a presence. And we move to chapter 14. We realize that the Egyptians are catching up rapidly on the people. And they're coming up behind them, and they're about in terrible fear and a pillar of cloud moved from the front and put itself between the Egyptians and the Israelis. My son Johnny Will was two years old when we were on holiday in Connemara. And we were unloading the, the stuff and there was a Connemara pony in the field. And I didn't realize it, but suddenly the Connemara pony approached Johnny, partially innocently. 
But here he was, trapped against the wall, screaming his head off as his pony came towards him. And I was a brave daddy. I stood in between them. I stood in between them. God stood in between the people of Israel and the Egyptians. He protected them, even though the journey was rough. I'm going to close with a personal story. Now, I don't do this very often, but I want to share it with you. Because in many ways, it encapsulates what I've just been talking about. I'm going back nearly 50 years. I had finished high school. My parents were missionaries in Japan. And my plan, or the plan of my parents, was that I would come home at the age of 17, 18. I would live with my only Christian aunt, and I would go to Queen's University. And that's what I wanted to do. Everything was moving towards that. I was studying, going to study history at Queen's. And as the time came for me to make arrangements to move to Queen's University, nothing went right. And I mean nothing. Letters weren't answered. Wrong information was exchanged. Grants were not permitted, etc., etc. And it went on and on and on. And I became more and more and more deflated, saying, God, this is my plan. And God said, basically, no, it's not. And so what I had to do was I then realized I wasn't getting into Queens, so I enrolled for a university in Japan and went to university in Tokyo. I was due to come home in September. And in September, the aunt with whom I was coming home to stay died quite suddenly with a brain tumor. I would have been coming home to stay in a land which I didn't know with an aunt who was seriously ill and who passed away. And this was right at the start of the troubles in Northern Ireland. I finished my degree in Tokyo. I applied to Queen's to do a teaching certificate. It was accepted in the first letter. I came home. And when I came home, I suddenly realized that I had something that nobody else had. They changed the history curriculum and put in a topic called Chinese history. And not one person in Northern Ireland was qualified to teach it. And my degree was in Chinese history. And I walked straight into a job. God said, no, you're not going the direct route. You're going the long way round. I have a purpose for your life. I know where you're going to go, but it's not going to be the way that you might have planned. It might not all the pieces may not have, you have set them up, but I can promise you something. I have a purpose for your life. I promise you, I want to use you. I have a purpose that I'm going to change you, modify you. I'm going to be present with you. And no matter what happens, I will protect you. And that's what the people of Israel experienced as they embarked upon that journey. Some of you at this moment in time are at that crossroads in your life. Where am I going? What's going to happen? Where do I turn? He promises. He actually prepares you. He will be present with you. And he will protect you. And us as a congregation as we move into the times and the difficult journey that lies ahead. Let's close in prayer. Our gracious God and Father, we thank you for the time we've had this morning in your presence. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We thank you for the assurance through your word that you are with us, that you are interested in us individually. And our Father, sometimes it's difficult to take the hard road. Sometimes it's difficult to take the road that isn't straight. But our Father, we thank you that you have promised that you will be with us, that you will walk with us, and that you will protect us. And so our Father, as we embark on to difficult times, as we look forward into this autumn season with a degree of trepidation and concern, we realize, our Father, that we may not be going the straight route. But our Father, we thank you for your assurance that you are with us in each step of the journey. Be with each of us now, we pray. Take us to our homes in safety. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.